0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony
1: D'Urso. Welcome, I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. I interview elite entrepreneurs and I thank you for joining us. This show is dedicated to helping you turn your vision into reality. And today, I'm very excited to announce we're going to discuss Paving the Way with Publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudill. We have a lot of authors in the audience. We have startups. We have entrepreneurs, businessmen. Some of you have a book. Probably a lot of you don't have a book and you would love to know about how to get a book out there, how to get it successful. There is a lot of competition and we've got some great information that's going to help you on this. Check this out. Dr. Melissa Cottle, she's a retired, award-winning high school principal who came into the television and production arena in 1986 when she was on the morning news with a live episode talk format segment dealing with educational issues for children. Her books for screenwriters, producers, and reality show creators are fast becoming the number one resources around the globe. Yep, that's right. She's the go-to for a lot of these topics. Let's find out more about her. Hi, Dr. Melissa. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show.
2: Well, thank you, Tony, but please call me Mel.
1: I will do that, Mel. We're all looking forward to learning more about paving the way in publishing. And I mentioned just a little bit about you in your bio, but we want to follow your journey and really get to understand you and the expertise that you bring to the audience. Please tell us, how did it all start for you? What's your backstory? (laughs)
2: Well, my backstory is kind of interesting. I was in the seventh grade when it all began. My dream, I should say. I uh, was challenged in my English class to write a short story for our, our English term final paper. And my girlfriend and I, her name is Anne, uh, her at the time was Billings, uh, we asked, can we join together and do something creative together? And she says, sure. Sure. Well, we wrote our first romance novel in the seventh grade, and then I was hooked. It was The Love of Writing, and I never gave up on that love. Um, I had written poetry and short stories and journaled all of my life, but I never really put it together. And I'm going to speed jump now if you want some uh, really, you know, how did I go from here to there? As you introduced me, I was a teacher, and after six years— I was promoted, I was only 26 years old, okay? I was promoted to principal of a school for juvenile delinquents at age of 26. I was the youngest principal, not only in the state of Louisiana at 26, but in the nation at the time, much less for juvenile delinquents. And the first thing that happened is that my brother, always a big brother, and my dad, always a dad, said, honey, you're 26 and you're going to be working with these Huge boys that are bigger than you, you need some safety, you know, crisis management stuff. And since my dad was in the Air Force and my brother was in defense with the Marines, we put together a crisis plan. And lo and behold, when a shooting occurred in my school, not only was I able to bring the re- to quick resolution in 15 minutes, okay. By the time the press got there, this is before Columbine, by the way, and the superintendent got there, we resumed our normal schedule. Now, I did have to close down the cafeteria because of the bullet holes and the bullets everywhere, and it was a crime scene, but we took care of everything, okay? And the only thing that, this is my journey, and the only thing that I kept telling the press at the time, oh, you had a school shooting, and I think they really wanted to sensationalize it but there's one thing that my mother taught me, God rest her soul, Years, and I'm talking from the time I was a baby. She says, you never get in trouble for what you don't say. It's only what you do say that you get in trouble for. Now, I remember that. So now here I am dealing with a massive shooting, very young age, you know, on my campus. And I just kept telling the press, our crisis management plan and crisis team worked. We resumed no more schedule. I kept saying that. And when I say a little bitty article, no longer than this in the newspaper, came out, well, it hit the AP Press. And the next thing I know, I was invited to give a keynote address at the National Conference for Principals on my crisis plan and my team. Because back then, they didn't know what that was. And I said, sure. And by the time I got off the lecture podium... Another journalist from a magazine approached me and asked what I just said. Can you put that into writing so we can print an article on it? Now, you know, here's a person with master's degree, Ph.D. I can write, right? And I said, sure. You know, give me six weeks. I didn't. I've never written an article before. I had no idea. And when I submitted it to her, it was a book. It was how to do it. I mean, I literally wrote how to do this. And she goes, honey, this is a book. And they submitted it for publication. And that was a a huge transformation into my journey, into writing and presenting, you know, et cetera. And pretty soon, I got kind of sick and tired of only getting 20% of my royalties because I was published by a traditional publisher. So here we go. Now you can see the transition starting. All right.
1: By the way, 20% is good from what I recall way back when the average, the average author would get maybe, maybe 15%, 20% is great.
2: Well, yeah, um, but it was still very low. And fortunately that in the nineties, the internet finally came about and create space became about where you could self publish Well, there's pros and cons to self-publishing and publishing. And during the 90s, none of us knew what we were doing with self-publishing. All we knew is that we had a platform that we could do. And so I started self-publishing, you know, uh, other books. And I have, uh, you know, dozens of children's books out there. And I have novels. I have how-to books for screenwriters, for filmmakers, you know, you, you name it. But one thing I did notice is that the books that were being self-published weren't selling as well as those that were traditionally published. And so I'm saying, now what? I may be getting 70% of my royalty self-publishing through CreateSpace, okay? This is before Kindle, but it turned into K- KP. You know KDF. And I said, something's got to give. Well, about this time, my publisher with Open, ha- Open Door Publishing Company Uh, was retiring and I said well now what do I do you know and I was at a loss because I wanted to do that hybrid thing you know I wanted control but I but I needed more freedom I guess and so she encouraged me to start my own publishing company she says you probably know more about publishing than anybody you've published tons of books you do your own editing you do your cover designs you do everything why don't you just start Well, over 5,000 books later, not that I wrote 5,000 books, but people like yourself, you're one of my authors, you know, uh, 5,000 books later, I think I know a thing or two about publishing. And I started my publishing house called Absolute Author Publishing House. And the reason why it's named Absolute Author is because I wanted my authors to know that they are the absolute best. So that's my journey.
1: In disclosure for the audience, I have been published by multiple publishing houses. Why are they called publishing houses, by the way? They should be called publishing homes, but that's, that's my <laughs> Italian little little uh, joke there. But I've been published by many, the books that I've written, and I love Absolute Publishing with Dr. Melissa Cottle. gives you so much control over what you do, and that's also why I've brought her over is to educate us because... You can you can as an author have more control than you think. Earlier I said fifteen percent was great. How about how about a hundred percent of the royalties? That's even greater or even more great. However, the grammar would be for that.
2: Right, but that hundred percent is still kind of like a misnomer. You get your one hundred percent of the royalties because you're not having to split it with a publisher when you're self-publishes on KDP or something like that. But. Like, like with Absolute Author, we don't take any of your royalties whatsoever, which you know. And the reason why is because of my history that I was just explained. I got tired of dedicating my heart and my soul to a book and only getting 20%. I said, there's got to be a better way. You know, this is my information. This is my knowledge. And it's not that I was greedy, but half the time they would get a hold of my manuscript and it looked nothing like what I submitted. And it was like, what? And then they go, well, such. I said, you don't even know about this topic. How are you saying it's not, you know, so I got tired of that. And that's also the philosophy uh, behind Absolute Author Publishing House. And so you can, like you said, have that control. But still, even if you publish through Absolute Author Publishing House, or if you publish the KDP, you're still going to get 70% royalties, not the 100%. Because KDP and Amazon still gets a split of that. So that, that 100% uh, is a misnomer.
1: <laughs> Understood. And, and, I, and I get that. They, Amazon and KT, KDP, get part of it because they have the platform or the audiences and they do certain activities and they provide certain resources. And so they get paid for that. Totally. Still, that's a lot better. 70% versus 15, 20%. Go figure. A lot
2: better. A lot
1: better. Now, I understand in a way you fell into this because of an incident at your school, a shooting of all things, and you kind of fell into it in a little bit, but somewhere along the line, this purpose came along of this motivation, this why you're doing it, that you continued on to to be the, the publisher that you are, the author that you are. And I'd love to know for our audience, we'd love to know what's that motivation? Why did you do what you do?
2: My tagline, even on my website, is that I don't feel right. R W, you know, R I G H T. If I don't write, so that should tell you something. I've always, like I said, kept a daily journal, um, and I love the process of writing, and I love to be able to sit down, plot out my story, and tell it as a storyteller.
1: This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudill. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Please listen to this quick word on Vidyard that's V I D. Y-A-R-D. They're an easy-to-use yet powerful video solution that makes it simple to create videos, post them ad-free, share them with others, and track their performance. Whether you're recording a video for one person or sharing it with the world on your website, it's easy to manage your video content. Our solution is built for business with robust analytics, integrations with top enterprise tools, and customization options that answer businesses unique needs vidyard is sharing a free guide to help everyone master video the complete guide to video production will help you produce incredible videos in house and on a budget email isn't dead but it sure is boring use vidyard to record and send videos to connect with prospects convert opportunities and close deals put a face to your name with video record your face your screen or both for prospecting videos, follow-ups, product demos, and more. Upload or create videos and embed them into email campaigns, landing pages, and blog posts to generate and engage more sales-ready leads. Use interactive video elements and video personalization to boost viewer engagement, accelerate the buyer journey, and convert viewers into pipeline. Record your screen, webcam, or both. From product demos to customer testimonials to live streamed Q&As, anyone can create their own videos in just a few clicks. Use video analytics to measure how each video impacts revenue and how they perform across your website, email marketing, prospecting campaigns, and more, all from one central dashboard. And it gets better. Sign up for Vidyard free today by going to vidyard.com tony. And just like you guys, the team at Vidyard can't keep up with all these promo codes on podcasts, so they're making signing up as easy as possible. So no promo code needed. Just go to vidyard.com slash Tony to start using Vidyard completely free. And as a bonus, get their 2021 B2B Video Trends Guide. I'll spell that V-I-D-Y-A-R-D dot com slash T-O-N-Y. All right. Check it out and tell me how you like it. Vidyard.com slash Tony.
0: You're listening to the Tony D'Irso Show with special VIP guests.
1: Now back to Tony and his guest. All right. We're back on the Tony DiErso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Paving the Way in Publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudill. And I want to say thanks for listening today. And you know, there are many ways to listen to my show. I'm on Roku, Alexa, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And an easy way is to go to Tony, dot com slash podcast. You'll find every podcast on that page, back to the beginning days when I first started as Revenue Chat Radio. For example... If you want to hear my interview with Kevin Harrington, just put in Harrington in the search feature on that page, and the interview with him will come up. If you know I've interviewed someone in the past, give it a try. All right, and now back to the chat with Mel.
2: I also, add a self-defense, some of my how-to books. Um, For instance, my book on how to launch and market a book. I wrote that in self-defense because I was constantly being asked, how do you open up not only your books as the number one new release, but other new releases as the number one on Amazon, consistently with Absolute Author Publishing House? And I said, well, this is what I do. So I finally put that in writing. So a lot of my how-tos, I think, came out of necessity to give me more free time so I wouldn't constantly have to answer and address the same thing. So that's kind of a selfish desire, I guess, in a way. <laughs> so I can have, spend more uh, time on writing the things that I love to really write about instead of constantly having to explain myself to somebody. So that's the innate desire. And even like with your book, okay, um, or anybody's book that I publish, you know, I always want a copy. I And my, my husband laughs at me because I'll get a copy of the book and I'll set it down on my my. My table, besides my chair, and we'd be watching TV or something. And during a commercial, I'll pick it up and I look through it like I haven't read it. Uh, you know, I've read them all. And, uh, you know, and I look through it. And he says, I act like a proud grandma or something, you know, because, and there's just something about holding a book in your hands. There's nothing better. And even as a kid, did you grow up getting the scholastic books? You know, you could bring your 2 $3 in and your teacher ordered these books and
1: they came in. We would get a big sheet of paper and we would pick the book that we wanted. Yes. Bring in a couple bucks and then we would get a book to read. And, and we never were tested on it. It was a trick, but we were told we were supposed to read it. And of course I did because that's what you do in school. But we never got tested. It was a trick just to get you to read, but it was fun. I learned a lot of things.
2: Well, not only just that, to me, uh, this is, sounds really weird. Even as a kid, I'd love to get those new books, open them and smell them. There's something about the smell of a new book. And that has never gone away to this day. To this day.
1: I, re- I remember very well, as well as uh, the new car smell. And for our audience, you can find Mel at com, And I will spell that. That's drmel dot com, Dr. Mel Cottle.com. Did I get that right? You
2: did. And the publishing company is uh, www.absoluteauthor.com. So they can find me over there as well.
1: Mel, if they go to Dr. Mel is there a link somewhere where they can see the publishing? Yeah. Okay, good. Makes it very easy to remember just one link.
2: Yeah, I, I try to keep... Yeah, I try to keep it very easy, like my name or my company's name. But my journey, I've learned a lot, and I would have to say I've made some mistakes. I can say that I have accomplished, and I have failed. And as an author, if you haven't had those experiences, then you might not be doing something right. And a lot of the times, failure will breed your success, And I want to stress that to anybody that's listening to this, that is an author that is either constantly getting rejected or their books aren't selling. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not a good writer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a fine balancing act of finding your target audience Is your product worthy? Is your cover in place? Is it formatted, you know, correctly? Is your Amazon description good? Do you have everything in place? And what I have seen over the years is not only the mistakes new authors have made, but some of the stuff they've done really, really great. The first thing out of the box. Okay.
1: Mel, on that, I want to go into some of the biggest mistakes that authors make on, on their book. Okay. And I remember as a child, it was household common knowledge back then that the cover of a book was everything. This is how I grew up. But when I look at bestsellers, when I look at books that are, that have done spectacular personally, I go, that's not a great cover. It's not eye catching. And I believe personally, this is my opinion That the cover does not make the book, it does not sell the book, does not make the book a bestseller. I'd love to get your point of view and comment on that and educate us on that.
2: I Actually, I honestly agree with you. And here's the thing. Oh, even in my book on how to launch and market a book, the very first chapter is on nothing but branding yourself as an author. And I preach, and this answers your question directly, I preach when you are marketing a book, you're not marketing a book. Get that out of your head. You're marketing yourself. And the better you market yourself, the more books that you're going to sell and you build your fan base. Thus, let's go back to that cover question that you just asked me. Are you marketing the cover? No, you're marketing yourself as an author. That's how those people become bestsellers. John Grisham. Right now, or James Patterson could put a book out with a solid white cover and only have John Grisham or James Patterson at the bottom. That book would sell because of the name, and that's a white blank cover. So, our covers important. Yes, they do help, and they need to be you know professionally done and look great. But it's not the end all uh, to a best selling book. The cover. The end all is going to be, have you marketed yourself?
1: I want to ask you about that specific point, Mel. We write a book, we go on podcasts, we go on talk shows, and we talk about the book. We don't talk about ourselves. Your point is market ourselves. How do we segue from one to the other and bridge that gap?
2: Well, when you do a podcast as an author, or even you know, like I'm doing podcasts now, They're getting to know me. They're getting to know my personality, such as even when you're on wherever you are besides your own podcast, they're getting to know you. So in essence, you're selling yourself. You just happen to be using your book as a way to let them get to know you. So it's you're still marketing yourself. If I came up here and said, oh, I own Absolute Author Publishing House. I've never written a book. I've never edited a book. But y'all please come join Absolute Author. Would you dare do that? No. Or would you rather hear somebody say, yeah, you know, I'm Mel, and I have over 90 books. And out of the 90, 48 of them are bestsellers. And you're going to go, wait a minute. Well, who is she? (laughs) What, What does she have to bring to the table? And so I haven't even mentioned any of the names of those books. But you know, by now, that I'm a best-selling author. If you don't remember anything, they're going to remember, oh, she's the best-selling author with a publishing company. Let me look her up. I've sold myself. I haven't tried to sell my book. Oh, go find my book at www.search.com. Amazon, da You haven't heard me say that, you see? Because people want, and I'm a firm believer in this, people want to get to know authors. And uh, here's one of the mistakes authors make which drives me nuts half the time. And those are the ones that will use a pseudoname. And if you just stuck with one pseudo name, I'd be happy. I wouldn't care, but they'll write a book under one pseudo name. And then they'll write another book on another pseudo name. Then they'll write a children's book under another children's name. And I'll go, what are y'all doing? I said, now you're having to mark it three times over. No one, they don't, not even connecting you. How are you going to gain a followership if you keep changing your name?
1: Now, I get it on changing the name multiple times. What do you think? What's, what's your point of view on having a pseudo name?
2: I prefer not having a pseudo name for anything that I read because I can't get to know the author. And if you start looking up authors, they don't have headshots. They don't have websites. These pseudo, uh, you know, writers is what I call them. And you don't know anything about them. And here's a terrible trend and please people don't do this. Okay. There's a trend right now where you can buy massive written eBooks and put your name on it and put it up for sale. Okay. And what's happening, people are doing that. They're putting them up for sale, but they're using a pseudo names to it or a book name such as, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say Paltring Books, okay? There's not anything like that. As the author's names. That is a dead ringer that you didn't write that. That it's a what I call a marketing machine, you know, that's just out there. And all of a sudden, if you start looking up your same topic, you're going to find the same book over and over from different people with different pseudonames.
1: Why would somebody do that? Is it because the book is very popular and it can sell?
2: No, they're doing it because they, they, they think they're going to make a quick buck, And, and instead of being able to write something, because not everybody's a writer, they'll take an easy way out and they'll just buy a ready-made ebook and plaster the name on it. But readers are smart. They recognize
1: it. They really do. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudill. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Support for the Tony DiUrso Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers... Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DURSO at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Now you know not all scissors and shaving devices are the same. That's the whole thing with Manscaped. This is stuff designed for special care. Manscaped engineered the lower torso, and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced SkinSafe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. It's time to get your own lower torso and body trimmer with Manscaped to make Me time, the best time, and enhance your confidence. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code D-U-R-S-O at manscaped.com. I'm going to say that again. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code D-U-R-S-O at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code D-U-R-S-O. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And I'll spell that. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. Code D u r s o. Come on, give it a try and have some fun. You know you deserve it. Manscaped.com. Code D-U-R-S-O.
0: You're listening to the Tony DiRso Show with special VIP guests.
1: Now back to Tony and his guest. All right. We're back on the Tony DiRso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Paving the Way in Publishing with Dr. Melissa Cottle. By the way, as mentioned earlier, another way to listen to my shows is Alexa. If you have that now or in the future, give it a try. Just say, Alexa, start the Tony D'Urso show. You can also say the word open or launch instead of start. If you ever try it, I'd love to know your experience with it. Please share. All right. And now back to the chat with Mel.
2: And I've I've proven this time and time again to people. I said, if you just go on Amazon and look up a subject and start looking at all the books, and you're going to see sometimes the same cover with different names on it.
1: I've noticed that before.
2: That's what this is. And it doesn't do much for
1: your credibility as an author. Mel, this brings up a point. As I mentioned, we have entrepreneurs, startups, business people, career-minded people in the audience. Not everyone has written a book. Some have probably toyed with the idea or thought about it. And as you mentioned earlier, not everybody is particularly a writer. So you have this good idea. What do you do? We hear this talk about hire a ghostwriter. I've interviewed some very well-known people who say, get a ghostwriter, come up with the idea, give it to somebody and let somebody finish it out for you. How do you feel about ghostwriting?
2: Well, owning Absolute Author Publishing House, I have a software that can check for plagiarism. It can run the whole book and it will pick up if it's already out there, already published. I cannot... Began to tell you how many times I've had to reject a book because of plagiarism done by ghostwriters. And they won't even tell me it was written by a ghostwriter. I would go, You had a ghostwriter do this. Yeah, how'd you know? I've seen it before.
1: You mean the, the ghostwriter doesn't write it? The ghostwriter just goes on the internet and grabs some some content and submits and it? Copies
2: and paste. I, I'll give you, for instance, uh, there, there was a book that came to me on uh, camping. Hacks. This is just the r- latest one that's popping in my mind. Camping hacks. And it had like 365 camping hacks in it for campers. And you go, I, I love to camp. I said, I want this. Well, I ran my plagiarism report. Honey, all they did was typed in and searched camping hacks, copied and pasted and put it in. Copy, paste, copy, paste, put it in. That's the latest one. But it's not just that one on camping hacks. I mean, it can be... All sorts of, like, uh, another one that I that was a hack, is what I call it, a ghostwriting plagiarism, was on a keto diet. And so that's what a lot of these ghostwriters are doing. So I don't approve of that. If you're going to have a ghostwriter, don't go with a typical topic. Go with something that is original. Is it your life story? Is it something that you personally know about? And then vet those ghostwriters. And people say, well, how do you vet a ghostwriter? You give them a topic and tell them to write five pages. And then you run a plagiarism check before you go any further.
1: That's very smart.
2: Yeah. And because it, some of these ghostwriters charge three, $4,000, and then it comes across my lap and I go, we can't print this. You know, it's plagiarized. And there goes their money. And there's no recourse.
1: I know from being in university and college, that plagiarism is an extremely taboo. You can't do this if they catch more than, I'm trying to think of the rule, whether it was three words that are common that, or, or someone's phrase. You get in a lot of trouble when you put together a school paper for plagiarism. Yes. In the world today, I personally don't know how rampant it is. Do people get in trouble? Are they caught? Are, are there plagiarism police? People out there that, that look at this and bust them. What's the world like on this?
2: Believe it or not, Amazon has a good plagiarism thing. But those QuickBook ebooks that I was talking about are freefall. And when I say a freefall, it's because even they list, if you purchase it, you have the right to reprint it any way you want. So it's not plagiarism, so to speak. You see what I'm saying? Although it's identical material. But there are a lot of, of people that have taken works that were in public domain and wanted to reprint them as their own because in public domain, it's a free, right? Meaning you can reuse it. Well, Amazon has kicked them off and blocked them. So Amazon does do a lot of checking on that. As far as colleges and universities, I've taught at universities and colleges before and you typically know which ones are plagiarized or not. Because you tend to get the same papers. You like from semester to semester, and you go, I've read this before. <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> you know, so it, it's not the thing to do. It, it it's really not. So back to ghostwriters, vet them. Because there's some really good ones out there, but there's a lot of bad ones out there
1: too. What about like a, a hybrid? Like, you know, a person writes I'm just going to make this up a hundred pages, but knows it needs more to make the book more easy to understand, read more interesting and whatever. Is that still a a, a ghostwriter that kind of fills it in? And instead of, you know, I walked down the street, you, you know, the, the person should write, you know, it was a glorious day. The sun was shining. It was, I'm in my flip flops, whatever. I mean, they can embellish or add a little bit more to it.
2: Well, that's called a development, a developmental edit. It's not ghostwriting, And our company does that as, as, as well. And we can get a manuscript. And, and it's funny. And I had this one author. I guess we're on our eighth book together. Yeah. And he, it's exactly like you said. He lays out his ideas. He doesn't even really worry about punctuation. None of that. Okay. And he gives it to me. He goes, okay, now, Mel, do your magic. <laughs> I go, and what is my magic? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't write it. I just reword what they have.
1: <laughs> you fill it out.
2: Right. And then that's not ghostwriting. That's developmental editing. And sometimes you'll get to a point where I'll have to call them. I say, all right, let's discuss this. What are you trying to say? Because you just left me a big gap. I have no idea where even where to go. And so we'll talk about it. And a lot of times as they're talking, I'll sit there and I'll type as they're talking. I said, I got it. Thank you. See you later. And I'll move on. You know, so developmental editing is the way to go. You know, put whatever you have. And a lot of people think, boy, I can't write. I don't know my grammar. I don't know this. I can't do this. Just write your thoughts down. Just get it down and then contact a professional editor and see if they do do developmental editing. So you can expand that. And as you go through the editing process with a development edit, you start growing as a
1: writer. I want to break this down a little bit. I'm really good at whatever I do in my business. I want to write a book, instructional, how to, how to hack something. First of all, how many pages makes a good size book? Do you see books of all different sizes? What's a good size book to shoot for? And how many pages should you write so that, th- and then you know it's, it's at a good point to pass it over to a publisher?
2: That, that, that is such a great question. But first, we have to define what a page is. Okay. An author, this is some of these new mistakes authors make, okay? Most new authors will sit down, open up Word, Microsoft Word, and start writing. And what they're writing on is eight and a half by eleven size page. Books aren't eight and a half by eleven. They're at least six by nine, five point two five by eight inches. So set your page to the book size you want, whether it's six by nine or eight, you know five point two five by eight, whatever it is. Then start writing. Don't write at eight point five by eleven because it, it just messes you up. So when you're saying what page amount new authors will write at 8.5 by 11 and double space it and they go, Oh, I have 300 pages. Yes. I'm through with my book. No, you're not. Number one, it can't be double spaced. Number two, you have not fought font 14. It has to be 12. I don't suggest 10 or 11, 12, no double spacing. All right. And so the time, I get rid of all of that and then I move it down to 6.9, 6 by 9 or 5.25 by 8 inches. Their whole dimensions are skewed now. So if you're asking me the page limit or what good size it is, the best selling books right now on Amazon are under 40 pages. They're little novellas. 25 to 40 pages, and they're selling like hotcakes. Some of them 99 cents, some of them $1.99. I mean, flying off the wall. I have one author that has like 40 or 50 of them, and it's making 10 grand a month off of these little books. And then, because people nowadays want something quick to read, they're at a pool, they're on a train, they're on a bus, they're on a plane. They don't want to spend, you know, eight hours on a big, thick book. So those work really well. Now, on the other side of that, a novel should be anywhere between 50,000, I would say 90, 50 to 90,000 words. Anything over than that becomes too cumbersome. It should be broken down. And so I, I would keep my eye on that for what I call a feature-length novel. You know, I have one that's uh, 378 pages at 6 by 9 inches. That's a huge book. You know, it's a huge novel. Um, And then I have another one that's 248. I don't have any novels that are under 230 pages. But all of my well, one novel is 6 by 9 inches. My other novels are 5.25 by 8 inches. And the size variance is how many words are in there. And of course my largest one, which is the keystroke killer is
1: my large one. And that's huge compared to my other ones. This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudill. But first it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices.
2: Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google.
1: Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work.
0: You're listening to The Tony D'Arso Show with special VIP guests, now back to
1: Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony Tierso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Cottle. Here's a shout out to our friends and family, as they're some of the most important people in the world. We all make it with the help of these valuable people in our lives. Take a look through some of your best friends and share the show with anyone you think would be helped by it. Thanks for sharing. All right. And now back to the chat with Mel. For the novel, that's the 50 to 90,000 words. What, and we have a lot of business people in the audience as I've mentioned multiple times, so we could do the short book, 25, 40 pages, but what about a good, nice, you know, traditional, what? 200, 250 page business book. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
2: And the, the key here. I don't shoot for a page limit, even when I'm writing. I don't care, you know, I I laugh at myself about this one book and I'll I'll show it to you in a minute, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But I never sit down and go, oh, I'm gonna have 50,000 words, and it's gonna be 238 pages, and I set off writing. I've never done that. A page, or a book, page number, should cover the topic, period, and the, the book I was going to show you, it's called How to Write a Long Like Log Line to Increase Sales of Your Book. And most people go, well, what's a log line? Well, a log line is those one or two sentences that describe what the book is. And if the best way I can describe a log line is if you go onto your television channel and you're flipping through the movies and you read that little stuff about what you're about to re- watch, those are log lines. Okay, it tells you real quick what you're about to read or see. And so if if a logline is one to two sentences max, you've got to be really good to write those loglines. And I laugh at myself because my book on how to write a logline is over a hundred (laughs) pages. Yeah, and I laugh at myself, I said, great. I wrote a book that's over a hundred pages to teach somebody how to write two sentences. I said, that doesn't even sound right, you know?
1: I bet it's very good.
2: it doesn't even sell right though does it you know this is how you write a log line 100 pages later now you can go write two sentences what <laughs> and that book sells very well by the way
1: <laughs> the most two important sentences ever that describe your book and talk about your book
2: right and that's another thing that writers have they can sit down and write a 300 page book but you write the book synopsis for the back of their book cover or their log line they go help they can, you know, because most writers are very verbose. You know, they, they, they want to use all that flourishing words. But in a long line a synopsis, it's got to be gripping and telling and jump in at you. And that's another mistake that authors make. They don't hone that part of their craft. They just think they can throw anything out of there.
1: Well, that's part of it for somebody who scrolls and looks at a book on Amazon. That description is very key. We've already talked about the cover, but now it's... The-
2: right, but that's even more key than the cover. You know, what is this book really, really about? And I just published, um, I guess it was January, uh, a book, and my latest child, my children's book, and it's called The Creek Dweller in the Bayou. And my seven grandchildren wrote that with me. And all the illustrations were taken from them And I cartoonized them, you know, so that that they love it. Well, I just found out uh, actually yesterday that I won a film festival for best script animation script because I turned that particular book into a short animation, you know, that we're working on right now. And the feedback that I got from those set of judges was they said we could not believe Your log line. And we know you did not enter your book for the log line competition. You just entered your animation script, but you've also won the log line. And I go, I didn't enter that. They go, it was just too good. And I'm going, what was so good about, and here's the log line. Okay. Seven children come across a magical creature in the bayou for a fun filled day. That's it.
1: How simple is that?
2: And they're like, we knew exactly what this book was going to be about. Seven children going to the bayou, and they're going to find a magical creature, and they're going to have fun doing it. They said, we had no question. And when we read what that was, and they read the script, they go, she nailed it. She goes, we had to get it to you. And I said, well, okay, maybe I do know something about log lines. Hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's a good book. It's about 100 pages. It tells you how to write one.
2: wait i i guess i can literally say i wrote the book on it and it almost doesn't seem fair does it
1: (laughs) mel you've done so much you you are a screenwriter you're you're a film producer you've written all types of books just for the author from children's books to how-to books to novels to your first book was a romance book you've got Hundreds of books, I believe, in, in the catalog of what you published.
2: Well, I, uh, what I've published, but what I've only had 90 that I wrote.
1: 90 yourself, but you also help others, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The key question here, what I'm leading up to now, Mel, is where are you heading in the next couple of years? What, what do you foresee yourself doing?
2: You know, I was in the film industry. It was, I am, was in the film industry for years. And I kind of left that behind to really focus on my writing. And the publishing company. And then lo and behold, I'm back into producing again. I'm working with a fabulous producer. Her name is Charlie Brown with 311 Studios. And we just got through filming two weeks ago, Umbre uh, Mafi. Incredible. So we're in the process of editing that right now. We've got The Creek Dweller that we're working on, that's in the process of literally uh, having to pr- approve animation you know, like, yeah, that's good, or I don't like it, and so I think what my future holds, I don't think I'll ever give up helping other people, whether it's screenwriters or authors or young film producers or whatever. I, I was, you know, I was a teacher from the get-go, and, you know, college professor and a principal, and, you know, I, I did all that, and I think my love or teaching will never leave me, so even... When we were filming on this, you know, a couple of weeks ago here on Ombre Mafi, we had a group of kids from what is called the Cool Collective here in New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans and they're from a film school learning film and how to be a producer a director a group, you name it, on a set by working and volunteering on a set and working close with the, the people that run them like myself. And they were just fabulous. I, I tell you what, I loved the Cool Collective and Kirby, thank you uh, for bringing those to me. That's the one of the instructors. And so I, I see myself continuing that. I don't see myself ever leaving that aspect. And I don't see myself ever not ever writing either. I will always write. I will always edit other people's writing because I enjoy that too. And I think I'll always be publishing.
1: And I hope so, because I have a lot more books that I want your help with in in publishing.
2: (laughs) You're a very good writer, and if I know that you're not supposed to brag on yourself on your own show, so I can brag on you. Let me tell you, his book, Bitten People, you know, at first I thought it was going to be about a vampire because of Bitten, but no, no, you know, this book is so intriguing and if you've ever wanted to know about the lost world quote of atlantis but in a different way this is the book you really want to read by no other than tony DeRosa. and so it it is a magnificent book that you've got there and it it really is and he he actually wrote it though um i co-wrote it so
1: yes yes so It was, it was fun. It took years to put together and we've got a couple more books uh, rolling out on that series. And thank you so much for the plug. I know it's my show, but I don't really plug it at all because I'm always interested in the guest and what the guest has to say. So thank you. That's very nice of you.
2: Oh, it's well worth mentioning, you know, and when I praise a book, it's praiseworthy. So how's that? Because it reflects on me as a publisher. You know, if I go, oh, this is a great book. You got it right. And they go, what? No. So well-deserved.
1: Well-deserved. Thank you, kindly. Thank you. Mel, we are always on the lookout for what helps bring us success, you know, or helps take our business to the next level. We're always looking. And one place that we look that I find astounding answers and our personal habits, the personal habits of our guests are amazing. And what habits do you have that you feel contribute to the success of you accomplishing your vision?
2: Well, my first habit is always begin my day by writing. And although I may, you know, edit and publish and do a lot of things with, you know, other people's work, I still set a time for myself. And whether it's my own writing or whether it's interviewing other authors to whatever uh, so I, I make sure I have my time there and writing I think you can build and your brain gets used to it you know and so that's part of my thing so every morning I get up I have my coffee I come in here and I start writing and do something and then I set my alarm because by you know eight thirty nine, I want to be moving on to my work day not my private day <laughs> you know And so my work day is working for other people. And then I take breaks and it's weird breaks. I'll, I'll get up and I'll take breaks. And since I work from home, obviously, especially during COVID, I'll get up and maybe do a load of laundry and I stretch. And, you know, people ask me, well, do you ever experience writer's block? And I said, not writer's block per se, not like a lot of authors explain what their writer's block is. My writer's block comes in, do I really want my book or my plot to go this way or that way? And it's not that I'm stuck on it. It's like, I just need to decide. And when I do that, I'll get up and I may clean house and think. I compose music, by the way. You don't even know this part about me.
1: No, I didn't.
2: I play the piano and the violin and, yeah, I compose music. I actually have albums.
1: Hey, (laughs) And I'm a one, I'm a one hit wonder, by the way, I've written and produced one song and it's gotten over a million download. Oh, I got to hear this. Song. You didn't We're know back. that about me. The song is called flying and it's the intro and extra of revenue chat radio, which was, the, I did that for like a year or two. And yeah, I got over a million people to download, you know, listen to the, the show, the talk show, but it, the music was in there. So I'm just, joke. I'm a one-hit wonder in that way.
2: No, I think that's great. But I will literally compose a song for a chapter or a scene. And then I know what to do. And then I'll go write it and listen to that song. And that's a little habit there. And you're wondering, successful people, I think creativity breeds creativity. So if you're stuck writing I can draw, I paint, I compose music. So I'm always creating, if that makes any sense. I think successful people do put things on their plate, like besides what they're doing, because, you know, this goes back to the old saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And it's because busy people know how to handle their time. And so that, you know, what brings, you ask me, you know, my success and my habits... And I think um, I can probably <laughs> you'll love this.
1: You probably have a book on it.
2: <laughs> no, I don't have a book on that. However, I, <laughs> does this tell you anything about my habits?
1: It's hard to read.
2: Well, you don't have to read it. This is my, my to-do list. Every, is it upside down? No, it's right side up. This is my to-do list.
1: Looks like mine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And I don't think as a successful person... If you don't keep lists and check them off of what you've got to do, you're never going to get there. All right. It's kind of like my roadmap and every night before I shut down my computer and go, you know, whatever I'm going to do, whether it's cooking breakfast, uh, or breakfast dinner, go out to eat with my husband or whatever it is, I will sit here and I fill out all of my to do's for the following day. That way I don't have to think about it. When I shut down, I shut down and I think other successful people do it as well. If you're constantly having to think about it and what you're going to have to do, you're going to lose sleep. You're going to lose precious time. What you call, what I call my rejuvenation time, because I'm worried about what I have to do tomorrow. Well, shoot, it just write it down. Forget it. When you get back up, guess what? It's going to be there and you have your list.
1: That's very good because working from home, it's very tough sometimes to transition personal life, business life. And if you run multiple businesses, it just gets to be quite a bit sometimes.
2: Yes, it, it, it does. And so I think by creating your to-do list of what you want to accomplish from that day, it breeds that success because you have your roadmap, you check it off and you move forward, roadmap, you know, check it off. And you don't waste your energy or time worrying about, gosh, What do I got to do tomorrow? Oh, I can't forget to do this. Oh, I better just write it down. Whatever happened to write it down and check it off. And I think that's what uh, the problem is with a lot of people that are wanting to get ahead. They get so overwhelmed that they, like you said, they can't differentiate what they should be doing to accomplish what they want to
1: do. So
2: they need to narrow it and hone in and work smarter, not harder.
1: We talked about paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Caudle, and you can find her at drmelcaudle.com. That's D R M E L C A U D L E.com. Mel, what can I say? Thank you so much for sharing with us today. You've given such great information. I hope it helps everybody in the audience. I know it will. I just want to thank you so much.
2: Well, I. Thank you for having me, and you are just awesome, and I can't wait to get a hold of your next book. (laughs) Wait, anybody out there that comes to Absolute Author needs editing services, okay? If you tell me you heard this on the Tony DeRusso show, I'm going to give you a discount.
1: I'll be the first one in line.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be in line. Uh, I heard this on the Tony DeRusso show, although I'm Tony. I love it. But thank you
1: again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. Hey, fellow entrepreneurs. Thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took her vision to reality. I know this was as inspiring for you as it was for me to do this interview. We talked about paving the way in publishing with Dr. Melissa Cottle. I just loved it. We talked about what are the biggest mistakes new authors make. We talked about perhaps publishing a short little book and selling it for a couple bucks and just getting a lot of volume going out there. We talked about ghostwriting and what could be wrong with it. We talked about when you write a book and getting the rest filled out as in developmental editing. We talked about so many different points about this. I want to know, what did you get? Did this book inspire you? Did the penny drop? Did it give you a little spark? Are you in more enthused or excited now to write a book, produce a book, or... Better market your book or get your book out there. There are so many pieces here. Now, she knows her stuff, and I was mesmerized by it. And she's very, very kind, and she's very, very helpful. I love her as a publisher. I have mentioned that earlier. I've had other publishers, and I just love what she does and how she really helps. She wants to get my information out there. And if you use her, that would be great because she'll help you get your information, whether it's a story or a how-to or a non-fiction book should help you get it out there. And I encourage you to go check it out and grab hold of your vision, everyone. You know, decide you're either going to start something great or take it to the next level. You know that it always starts with a decision. You have to decide first. And you can get my vision map to help you along the process. The ebook is at tonydurso.com slash books. I created my world and a sustainable business in just a few years. And I used the vision map. I wrote it up so that you can do it too. And please consider supporting the show with a nice review. Just go to tonydurso.com review. It really helps a lot. And if you know someone whom you believe would be helped by this, please share this interview. It's there to help people. This is all designed to help you move on your journey to success. Thanks, everyone. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.